1: All the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
2: The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate.
0: Hey there, we at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening, enjoy the podcast, and stay safe.
3: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
2: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 427. Everyone's out there still quarantined, enjoying life indoors or outdoors. If it's nice out. Looks nice out where you are, Scott.
3: What's up? It's nice out here. Yes, it is. It's nice out. I was wondering where you were going with that, about people enjoying their lives of the quarantine. Felt like you wanted to go somewhere that you couldn't, and unfortunately, it's because we're all still stuck inside. Um, what? I think some people are hand, handle the,
2: the indoors life better than others. Yeah,
3: that's probably true. You know, it depends on it's the, it's the things like I'm indoors and uh, during the day, pretty much every day because I'm working remotely now and I've worked remotely for a long time. So I'm used to this. I have like a little bit of a vampire-esque um, life, you know, when I'm inside a lot and I'm on calls like all day long. But it's nice to have windows and see outside and see sunlight. And then I go out in my backyard and I get a little bit of fresh air occasionally. If if for no reason else, just to get out there, just to stand outside for 10 minutes.
2: Right. The backyard is key because you don't have to necessarily come in contact with other people to go outside. Yeah. I'm no longer in the city, but for the last month, if I left my apartment, I was going to come in contact with someone, you know, maybe six feet apart. But still, I could see them right there. So it was just a little annoying let's say right because <laughs> like you're not supposed to do that but i also can't just i'm not a hermit can't stay inside with uh no sunlight for so here's
3: a here's a little weeks. funny story a little Adela field i guess i'll just say it now because it came to my mind and i might forget it later um so i'm i'm trying to make like our you know our environment more fun for kemp give more like opportunities for him to like play with things because he's here a lot obviously and my wife bevan is now uh you know Entertaining him all day long. So we got a, a playground swing set that I'm um, putting in the backyard, assembling and like clearing the, fa- the area today. But I also got this basketball hoop, which is freaking awesome. It's got this bracket that goes on the basket, like a, a full size basketball hoop hole, uh, pole. So I have, my- I have a basketball hoop in my driveway. And then this one, it's like a, you know, it's almost full size, but not, not really. It's got a metal rim and everything, but it's got a bracket so that you can connect it to the pole and you can have it at any height you want. So it just goes up and down. It's pretty awesome. So um, I have a a slant on the driveway. And if you play, you know, basketball, the ball just goes into the street like every single time. It's irritating as hell. So I I got one of those fences. There's like this there's like this black fence It's about three feet high. You can't really see it because it's black. So it's kind of it's mesh. And uh, I have it on one side of my driveway and then the other side. And I put it up, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And I could definitely my wife was or Bevan was talking about she's like, yeah, Uh, our neighbors are like oh what is that like a quarantine fence keeping people (laughs) out so people roping off your property so so now i'm 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 the uh the guy in the neighborhood who put up a fence in just in the driveway because you know you could walk three feet around it into the yard and then and then be beyond the fence Um, right
2: but it's optics yeah
3: so you know it has nothing to do with the (laughs) basketball hoop and the fact that there's a, a slope on my so i now i have so i have like keep basketballs down there that are blocked by the fence so it's a, so people know yeah, yeah, yeah. what it's, for. but I was, uh, you know, causing ruffles, uh, in the neighborhood with uh, people saying that I had a, a, fa- a quarantine fence up.
2: What are you guys doing for food and stuff? Like when's the last time you left your property?
3: I mean, I'll drive around. We don't, we haven't gone to stores though. We, Amazon fresh has been delivering to us. And you've been able to get Windows, yeah, so like delivery yeah. Windows.
2: Yeah. See, that was the thing that was so tough for us is you'll put stuff in your cart and then it'll it'll basically say unavailable for the next two weeks. Right. So we had to go to the grocery store. We had no other choice. And the uh, the just the whole process of going to the grocery store, waiting in line, wearing the mask, wearing the gloves, just it's like a mental, it's like a mind effort. Yeah, you know I, what I mean. Yeah. It's just like I'm sure we're all taking the proper precautions and things are sanitary and all that kind of thing but it's just it messes with your head when you're walking through the grocery store and you know what's going on you see like the toilet paper shelf just bearing right. it's like oh god
3: yeah no it's they've it's been good for us actually the uh amazon you know they substitute things out so you don't get really what you want half the time but
2: and it comes in waves right like you might get five things you order today and then so they have um the they have day. a
3: whole food they have whole foods connected to amazon too so we've been doing like yeah. whole foods or amazon fresh and Amazon Fresh just goes to your local grocery store. That's just what they do. They pay people like a delivery person and yeah. they go and pick it up. So um, it's been pretty good, but we just like consistently put them in. So they're just like constantly coming. It's a constant and rotation. And the fact like that refreshing. I can get alcohol yeah. now delivered to me is a beautiful thing because I'm so – that was one of the most crucial things that was passed. A lot of states, you couldn't do that. And then they like
2: ex- – Yeah, Rhode Island, you still not it. Then they
3: wrote it off. A lot of states, they wrote it off where you're like, yeah, you're good now. It was a huge signature that happened early on because – yeah. I mean I would have um, I would have definitely gone you know gloves mask have to, to go get it cuz it's not going to not happen.
2: We uh yeah I'm I'm hoping like Rhode Island comes to their senses while I'm here and like okay temporary ban lifted on alcohol delivery just to get everyone through this. Yeah.
3: Well if they, if they haven't done it yet I'm surprised they I they're know are probably going to do it at this I point. Know. But yeah no so it was uh the fence was a little bit off putting to some people which I think is funny. And I got no problem being being the guy in the neighborhood who has a fence up, if, even if it was a quarantine fence, which it isn't yeah, because, that, it's, you're, you're because it ends. You know, two feet. We also have one in your backyard, right? I mean, I have a fence around my backyard. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's Sorry. Sorry. Back <laughs> that
2: Everyone's on it. Everyone's on edge right now. I've also put <laughs> up doing I've also something planted, out of the ordinary. I also
3: planted like a hedge perimeter around all of the fence too, so I can't see people even more. I mean, I've definitely tried to quarantine myself for like three years, <laughs> like away from people more. I've <laughs> definitely put as more as You've many been barriers prepping as possible. For this. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to see people when I'm in my backyard. There's, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that.
2: No, oh, that's totally yeah. normal.
3: Right. Nor do I want my kid going after the ball and getting hit by a car. Sorry that it looks bad. Guess what? I don't give a... F- <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i know it's gonna be it's probably gonna be weird when you tell him years later about this like yeah you lived through this and he's probably not gonna really have many memories of it of the whole thing life life probably no not much different for him no. right now than it would he got have a been basketball
3: anyway. hoop and he's getting a, a playground <laughs> he's pumped up
2: he's like oh you mean that you mean that four month period where i got some sweet toys <laughs> yeah
3: <done?"> pretty much <laughs> like that's exactly what's happening he's just getting some some cool stuff so he can be entertained and like challenge himself and also by the way like burn some burn some energy so that he will sleep more, you know, more regularly as well. Because that's what's happening to us. Like he's not sleeping. What good. do you
2: think? What do you think? Growing up would have been the worst age to
3: go through this. Middle school. Yeah, I feel like high school. I mean, even like end of elementary school up until middle school, because you're like, eh, video games. Like almost there. Like video. Mo- middle school, you're definitely into it, and I'm sure that age has gone down as we've, you know, as the years have gone by, but. I feel like you're. Always, I was always outside in like fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. We were always outside doing something like consistently every day, all day.
2: Yeah, and obviously that was pre-internet and pre when pre-video games being ridiculous. Yeah. So like now you're in middle school. It's like okay, I'm just gonna fire up, fire up PS4 and or talk whatever, to your friends go on Go on the internet, yeah. go on the internet, and basically just waste hour after hour. But we couldn't really do that then. So yeah, that would have no.
3: Yeah, it was constant neighborhood something we were we were always playing hockey or we were always playing wiffle ball or football or butts up or whatever it was we were doing something yeah there. just
2: being able to get on your bike and be like all right mom see you in three yeah. hours and just
3: like, we would leave we would, just, we would take off far away too we would go over we would never even tell it we would go over route 17 which was a busy is a busy high uh, a busy highway in north jersey and uh we would go to Campmore all the time that was like a big go-to I
2: never like did went very far other than just like the neighborhoods surrounding my neighborhood, you yeah. know, whatever that would be. But my dad has told me stories about when he was growing up in like the late 60s, early 70s. He had four brothers. They went up hiking at Mount Washington when he was 12 years old. and didn't tell his mom. They just left for the weekend when hiking at Mount Washington oh, for the weekend. Like took a, yeah. took a bus yeah. from Rhode Island to New Hampshire, hiked, camped out. And then took a bus home. And my, my grandmother was like, where were you guys? <laughs>
3: like, oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, there would be like multiple police forces now looking for these yeah. kids. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She, she probably was like, all right, well, like oldest brother at the time was like 18 years old. So like he's got things under yeah. control. <laughs> yeah,
3: right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, – it's very different. It's very different. I, it's wild because that, that was the thing. Like my bike was – my bike was the freedom. Like we would just take off. We would go anywhere we wanted because it didn't matter. Nobody knew if we were around the corner or not. We were just gone on the bike. We're, you're, you're out of, out of sight, out of yeah. mind. So we always would go down like downtown Ridgewood and then go across the, uh, t- across 17. Camp was a big spot. Anyway.
2: Anyway, want to, want to talk about some news as it relates to baseball. Sure.
3: I put in air quotes. <laughs> let's, let's talk about some news, baby.
2: Yeah, so uh, the I guess we'll start with the the, the COVID news and a couple things. Uh, MLB is going to participate in the antibody study that um, doctors are doing, and they volunteered for this. It is not tied to baseball trying to come back sooner or later. It's something they volunteered for. I definitely think there's a PR angle to this. It, 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 it's good PR for them that they're going to participate in this test. But I also think it's um, you know it's probably research that that owners and league officials want their guys to be a part of so they can get a sense of what the percentage of population that they would need to come back for uh, a season to start up again, you know, how, what percentage of them have the antibodies already,
3: right? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's it's, look, they're they're obviously looking at at ways to do this. It's it's funny because, well, they keep saying this has nothing to do with com- trying to come well, back. It, it, it's just, I don't think it's directly involved, but what it is is it's a it's a, it's associated with it in some capacity because you want to know. Just more information about these things. That's all it is. It's, it's it's more gathering more information and then having some of the people that are going to be involved in your organization, you know, participating. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like it's gonna, it's going to, you know, affect one way or the other directly. But it's I, certainly indirect information. It's just a good thing to have. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, like, you know, they're talking about the coming back even more um, Fossey, Fossey, Fossey is the one who said that we might be able to return earlier. Right. Like we're coming back like this is a possibility. But the funny thing is, is like the same thing that he agreed that he's like, yeah, we could do it if this that, and this. It's, it's It's the Arizona plan. It's the same thing. There's, yeah, there's no he, difference. under
2: quarantine. Yeah. As long as teams quarantine and no fans are in the stadiums, then sports can return sooner than later. And we see that the PGA tour has plans to start up again in June. And that makes sense. Like golf, that's the easiest to control, yeah. right? It's the fewest amount of players. It's wide open space. No to be one has to get, no one has to be next to one another and they can, they can do it. So, you know, no one's going to be touching the, uh, the pin and all that kind of stuff. Like you can figure it out and like take some precautions there, yeah. and at least that'll be a, a a sport on TV that is live. I'm gonna watch the little, I'm gonna watch we the, shit know the result too. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll watch the major tournaments regardless. But like, yeah, give give me some, give me some like TD Bank <laughs> yeah, or whatever right. the hell goes on on a random weekend. my we might right start now. a golf
3: podcast. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, it's that that will be a, a very good thing to see. And you know, it does have the easiest chance of coming back because of the space, you know, just purely because of the space that they play in. But it's so funny when, you know, I, I've, I've heard about, obviously, everybody's been reading and, 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 you know, all in the news about the whole virus and COVID and like how everything's handled and all that. People were talking about somebody stepping up and like being the voice of all of this, right? And this guy, Dr. Fossey, has definitely been that guy, it seems like. He's been on podcasts. He's definitely, he's gotten into like pop culture areas. He's trying to touch and, yeah. and get to everybody. So they had a, a guy but when as soon as he said something that has a chance of coming back even though really it was the same thing that we've been talking about for weeks now of of how they're talking to come back and we're all looking at that like it's crazy like it's not going to happen but then he comes out and says it's possible everybody's like yep well MLB's coming back
2: it's a glimmer of hope right it's not no it's, the, <laughs> it's but sort it's the of same
3: like... thing it's like the the um the standards that he set in that comment that you know don't get you know, the headlines, like the, the, um, the fact that baseball can come back. Fossey says it could I know come that. back. What, but what the details are are essentially the same thing. It's, it's quarantining everybody still.
2: I know. But had he said it is not realistic to expect something like Major League Baseball to return in 2020— yeah, under any circumstances, I guess. then that's different. At least it's like, okay, so you're saying there's a chance, right? It's the dumb and dumber line. To me, it's the same One thing. One in a million, million. It's, it's okay.
3: just him. It's just him saying that, yeah, if they could pull that cockamamie plan off, then yeah, there's a chance. You're
2: right, because I still don't think there's a chance that Either the Arizona or the Grapefruit and Cactus League plans go, out, go off without a hitch. There's too many variables involved to quarantine players and go from hotel to stadium back to hotel with no other touch points. There's too many people that are going to have to be involved in addition to the players. That's it. The, tra- the training staff, the grounds crew keepers, the, uh, the hotel workers, the food service workers, the transportation people. Once you add up all the numbers, you're talking about thousands of people.
3: Yeah, that, that that's it. So you you have to control the actions of thousands of people. And I don't think it's realistic. Unless we unless and we unless these time frames all start getting knocked back down and you know things start opening up and, and they don't see problems. Like that 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 is the to me the only thing that's going to get this get baseball back because at that point then they, they don't have to be as strict and if they don't have to be as strict and people feel good about that, the, if the CDC gets to a point where they're saying, yeah, you don't have to be as strict, but let's take precautions. And we're at, in a new normal stage, like at some point, if that happens, that's when I think it could potentially come back. It's just a matter of when that is the the case, whether that is f- yeah, sooner you get, than we think or, or not.
2: If as a society, we get to a stage where it's safe to go to grocery... I mean, it is safe to go to grocery stores. You have to go to grocery stores. But like... Aaron Judge could go to the grocery store himself while taking proper precautions with gloves and a mask, and go live in a house in Florida somewhere, and drive himself to the ballpark. But you know, no social gatherings. Right. Still, no no restaurants are maybe at fifty percent capacity or something like that. If we get to that point, then yeah, absolutely, I see Arizona and Grapefruit Leagues working in
3: July, August, September. October. I mean, the beaches in Florida opened up, so maybe they're just maybe they're just ruining I'm Florida sorry. now. Like what is their problem? Yeah, I don't know. But the thing is is like that that's the deal. like if you're doing if you're getting into a point where you're you're letting these guys all go about their business and and just you know take standard precautions at that point, like it's not the same thing. It's not a quarant it's not really a, a full league quarantine.
2: No. Uh, but to expect guys to absolutely one hundred percent quarantine themselves, twenty to thirty year old millionaires, it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. I think it's asking a lot, even though they know the circumstances. It just takes one person to be photographed out somewhere. That photo goes up on Instagram or up on Twitter and then the whole thing is blown up.
3: Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, the, uh, but it is interesting that he's come out say that I, I think that it gave people some false hope, unfortunately, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope this thing blows over faster, but doesn't feel like it is. Do
2: you think that people, do you think that these leagues and people should be going out of their way to get sports up and running again? I know they're not necessary, like a grocery store is deemed necessary, but if you're going to get sports back in these ways, I mean, that is putting it ahead of a lot of other things in society.
3: I don't know if it's necessarily putting things ahead in society, but, you know, they're or, they're private organizations trying to get their own thing back up too. And if they could do it in a way that they feel is appropriate and they're able to, because fans to me is just going to be out of the question. But when you get, if you're able to do it in a way that everybody's agreed to and, and you can pull it off, I mean, it's privately funded. It's privately, everything is private about this. So I don't think it's necessarily putting itself over anything else. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to try it because there's still a lot of, you know, lost revenues for these guys. And then plus, everybody in the, <laughs> the world would love no, it. I
2: mean, the trickle down effect, the trickle down effect for business standpoint goes a lot farther then you probably realize so many businesses are impacted by the, the fact that there's no live oh, sports. Hell yeah. right I mean,
3: now. I, I realize it that I, I very much. Re-
2: no, I'm not saying you, I'm saying like the average person's like, Oh, so we got to get these millionaires back to work. No, it's like so much more than
3: right. That. But I think that a lot of people also realize too, that this is one of those catch 22 problems is that people need to get back to work at some point. People need to earn a living and <laughs> just a matter of when to do that and, and when the appropriate time to do that is for different areas. So, it's not an easy to say. It's not an easy thing to to figure out. Obviously, I mean, that's that's like the most clear statement in the world because everybody understands that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, why not? Like, like they should put all their efforts towards it because that's what they're supposed to do, right? Again, it's a private organization. To me. When you have a private organization, that private organization should do, all, should do all that they want to do or all that they can do in order to move their themselves forward in a way that makes sense.
2: Baseball kind of got screwed the worst out of the four major sports because. NHL and NBA already had parts of their mm-hmm. season. The majority of their regular season was done. Mm-hmm. So they got a lot of revenue already. And the NFL played its entire season last year through the Super Bowl. They're going to still have a draft. They're still going to still sell ads for the draft. Probably be the highest ratings ever for the oh, draft. Yeah. It's
3: going to be huge.
2: And then like, the th- yeah, they're probably not going to have these mini camps and training camps throughout the summer. But by September, October, they're hoping that they're going to be able to play games still. Potentially, so, like uh, even if there's no social gathering, so you can't go pack, uh, you know, MetLife Stadium or something, still going to be
3: on the network, still going to be generating billions of dollars in TV revenue. How many, how many Jets fans do you think show up to Roger Goodell's front yard in Bronxville, New York, f- to <laughs> boo him <laughs> on the, on the, uh, on the, 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 the teledraft? <laughs> this will be the first, this is, this is disappointing. The first time Jets fans can't get in there and, and you know, and boo. They've done it every year of my life
2: you know how New York City does the 7 p.m. make noise for the, the hospital workers and the, and the medical yeah. workers? Maybe, maybe at like 8 p.m. on the draft night, everyone in the country just yells out their window booing right. We could just Del. do
3: it collectively. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah,
2: organize. Someone needs to organize. I like
3: it. I like it. Yeah. There's baseball happening, mm-hmm.
2: though. There is baseball happening. It's um, the CBL in Taiwan uh, that, that started up their season last week. And it was pretty pretty crazy to, to to see it like actually happening, no one in the stands. They had cardboard cutouts for fans. They had robots making noise in the fans, which I think is I expect nothing less out of the CBL, to be honest with yeah. you, to have robots making noise in the in the stands. I think that's
3: perfect. Some of the pictures are pretty creepy. I mean there's some there's some weird stuff happening over there, but
2: doesn't it kind of look apocalyptic? Almost? Oh, it definitely does. like the movie I Am Legend. Like how he put up uh, Will Smith put up mannequins yeah. in throughout Times Square or whatever, just to some some uh, normalcy. It's super. He it's put super up a mannequin. Creepy. We're gonna put. We're gonna put. Uh, we're gonna make a fake judges chamber, and we're gonna put put mannequins and wigs in the ju- judges chamber just so just so we feel normal again.
3: Yeah, it's like a Home Alone where they you know someone's on a string like, yeah. getting everybody going just to see to make make it look like there's people there. No, it's look they're they're doing what they they're out there playing uh you know obviously they feel good about it, so I hope it works. i hope they can they can kind of show um that the way that they're doing it they ha- they find like some some good processes and you know everything i think I'm sure m l b is you know, talking to them in some capacity and like, you know, getting in there and making sure that um, they understand how they're doing it as well so that they can learn from this. What's working, what's not working. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. I wish my guy, Chris, the one I met in Taiwan, I think he's actually in New York right now, which he was still in Taiwan. So we have a little correspondence over there. uh, Correspondent, you know, figuring out some... Boots, on, boots the ground, on the ground,
2: even though it doesn't matter because you can't go on the ground. Well, they did have um, media people in masks and, and gloves taking pictures and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, we could work out some so credentials. See, it, I would assume that if baseball gets up and going again, I, I mean, media is not going to be allowed there,
3: right? No, like, I think just, they will. You're adding unnecessary variables. No, but if they're doing it, they're going to they're gonna put – they'll have spots for them. They'll do it. I mean, they do it in like the White House briefings all the time. These people are like sitting like four chairs away from each other. Like media is gonna go. They're gonna that's be true. there. They,
2: I, that's their... You can argue White House briefing is more important than a Yankees Rays game. I'm just saying.
3: They, the, the point is that they are there, and you know they feel okay about it. So uh, I think that it's going to happen definitely. I think because think about it, like how much coverage they have to have. Like they're gonna have to write articles. They're gonna have to do all these things. They're gonna want to be there. But you do ninety percent of that. You people. could,
2: but. Not You can do 100% of it from home, honestly, but I know a lot of these these journalists, these beat writers like to be in there, get the face-to-face relationship going so they can build storylines throughout the season. That's part of the insider access that people yeah. at home don't yeah. have. Maybe
3: they'll do some video chats, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some video chats with the players one-on-one and they'll be able to do some things. But, you know, look, baseball's going and I like it. Uh, the Taiwanese League, it's the Chinese Baseball League in Taiwan – uh, which is confusing if uh, if you're looking at that for the first time, but it's actually played in Taiwan, if you look at the map, um, but the uh, the brothers is the one that the team that I knew the most. I think my brother, my brother has a brother's <laughs> jersey and hat because they play in uh, I, I believe they play in Taipei, which is where I used to go.
2: Do you think that for players, how do you think it's gonna be for players if they get back out there and there's no fans in the stands? because if you hear people Do you remember the Orioles? The White Sox played that game in empty stadium a few years back. And they said it was like a very weird atmosphere. It almost didn't feel real. Like you're not going to have the same pressure and you're not going to have the same juice going into a big at bat or something, even though the game might still matter and it might still be the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs. It's not going to feel
3: like that. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I mean, it's going to be different obviously, but they're going to, they'll get used to it after a small amount of time, I think, and just adapt, but yeah, no, it's going to feel different. Now there's, but, I mean think about it if it it could get in their head because there's going to be a lot more people watching actually on TV so uh, yeah but I mean I think the ratings are going Do you, think, do you
2: go, think when when Aaron Judge or someone goes up to bat do you think he's like oh my god there's 10 million people on TV watching me
3: potentially I
2: feel like don't trip no I think don't he's, trip. I think for um for athletes it's more about the people in the stands I Those mean, are the for sure that is are, I'm
3: I'm I'm giving you some Some nonsense here, but at the same time, there's there's also going to be there's also going to be a lot more people watching. Like the ratings are going to be much higher. So I think in that capacity, uh, and depending on the season, what it looks like if if this if this thing does happen, like how much of a how much of you know a a lens is going to be on these guys on a nightly basis, it's going to be interesting because they're going to be blasted (laughs) everywhere, and people are going to be paying attention to all games. I don't know how they're going to do like, you know, multiple games. Nothing else to pay attention to. So, you know, depending on how many sports are back at a time or, you know, if that's the time when it's just one or two sports, it'll be interesting. But there's going to be a big Well, that's another
2: thing, because if baseball can come back, that means the NFL and NHL might be like, okay, well, we want to still do our playoffs. Right. So there's going to be a lot going on maybe in a short amount of time, which would be great from a entertainment perspective. But that could actually end up hurting baseball. If you think about it. Yeah. What are you going to watch? The NBA finals and the NHL final? Not you, but what is the, you know, what's going to get more eyeballs playoff and finals games or a pre qualifying to a tournament that MLB is going to eventually put on in September, October.
3: They'll know it's going to happen because there's going to be a ton of planning. So they'll figure that out, but it's not like one's just going to be like, Oh, they did it. Let's do it real quick. You know, it's going to take a pretty good amount of planning for them to actually get pull any of this stuff off. So we'll, we'll Mm -hmm. we'll see. uh, We'll see how it rolls.
2: With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. And if you're missing sports, no problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can also still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, all open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus on betonline.ag. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline.
3: Your online wagering solution. I was gonna. I was gonna say. How long do you think MLB wants to see the Taiwanese baseball league going before they can really like make some judgments about what's happening over there? You, see, I don't even I, know I, I if they're really. Th- there's there's got to be some amount of time that they want to see like what's happening, or and I know every situation is different because you know they. Um, well, there's five teams. That's way different than 30. Yeah, but they're still playing. They're still doing the the logistics. The logistics are still happening. So, I'm just wondering, like, what the sample sizes of what you know how MLB wants to see that.
2: I think it's way down on their list of things qualifiers to get a season up and going. Yeah, I think there's so many other things that need to happen in the U.S. before they even say, "Oh, well, this happened." in No, the no, CBL I'm not saying like, like they would just happen. pull the
3: trigger on that, but like you know to actually use it as some kind of a data point. I think they're just looking at processes, probably. Yeah.
2: Like, how did you go about handling this?
3: Robots. That's how they did it.
2: Yeah, let's get, let's some, get robots some mannequins in the and fake, I'm fake for robots. robots. What if, what if they do baseball? Does a thing where um, they fans can submit heckles, and then they play the heckles based on what's happening in the game. Can we leave voicemails? And then just play the voicemails? <laughs> yeah. Can we have a, a voicemail line for, for when some, for someone's at bat? I think we just stumbled upon a great idea. Actually,
3: you know, they could sell that and be like, you just got the yeah. slot. Raise money. Sixth, Raise sixth, money. Inning, um, sixth inning on the uh, second at bat is your heckle time. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. You don't know who it's going to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's but,
3: So make them, make them pointed uh, you know, towards the team, I guess. You could be general. You could do whatever you want. You could give birthday shout-outs. You can do whatever you want on that on that time slot. It's interesting.
2: I hope, I think, I hope if someone at MLB is listening to this, they give us credit when they do that because I think it's a genius. It idea. It is a genius idea,
3: and you can and you can control it all ahead of time.
2: Yeah, of course they're gonna. They're not gonna let anybody anybody's heckle. It's always it's gonna be PC. People
3: need jobs. This is another job they could give them somebody to to go through, sort through the mm. the voicemail line of all the people that want to heckle. And maybe we won't call it heckle. Maybe it's just you know, a little, uh, a little cheers a little fan fan speak. Yeah. Whatever they,
2: well, see, yeah, it would probably be only positive. They would only take positive submissions, but my mind immediately goes to the heckle and to the negative. So I would immediately submit negative. Maybe.
3: So yeah, maybe like, depending on the team, like each team has a percentage of, of positive and then, you know, middle of the road. And if the Yankees were true to their, to their, their place, they would give us the opportunity to talk some shit. Uh,
2: I mean, if baseball wants to raise a boatload of money to help support the efforts towards coronavirus, everyone can submit a heckle to the Astros. Yeah. No. $10 to submit your heckle. Yep. Boom. Millions of dollars. Instantly. No editing. Yeah, no That one idea, goes to course. HBO. <laughs> All right. We got a couple of Yankee topics. Baseball reference has been simulating the 2020 season. And they have the Yankees at fourteen and eight, first place in their division, four games up. The Red Sox, you'll be happy to know, are in last place in this simulation. However, the White Sox are the American League's best team at seventeen and five. So kind of doesn't surprise take the me. Simulation for what I, it's worth. I could
3: see the White Sox surprising some people in the Central and uh, and getting, especially getting off to a hot start. You know, they have
2: hot starts are going to be even more important, mm-hmm. or cold starts. If we have a 50 or 60 game season, you start out 17 and five in a 60 game season, but you're not a team that was thought to be there for a full 162. Doesn't matter. You can, you can, you can do some damage with a 17 and five start. These analytics, I love
3: some Mike Talkman, don't they?
2: Oh yeah, they do. So I wanted to talk about some of the stats that they've simulated for individual players because they're not just simulating results. They're simulating what, what goes on in each game. Gleyber Torres has been the team's best player. Not a huge surprise there. He has eight homers, probably seven of them against I was the We played the Orioles.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that all happened on opening day, and he has a one point three WAR. But Mike Talkman has been the team's second best player with five homers and over one thousand OPS and one point two WAR. Yeah. There you go. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Are you are we talked we about saw a how month Mike, Mike Talkman
3: that was phenomenal, you know, Mike Trout numbers. Remember that that's when you when you did the uh, that that month or month month plus.
2: Yeah, wasn't it? Ju- basically like end of June into into July. He was he was a great player. And but the defensive value is always going to be there. And I think that's one of the reasons why they like Mike Talkman because even if he's a like an average offensive, player... yeah, but player, they always project his can, offensive
3: numbers to be pretty good too.
2: Yeah, but like a, in a realistic scenario, maybe for Mike Talkman, if he's an average offensive player, but he can give you premium defa- defense at all three positions, he's
3: a good fourth outfielder. Absolutely, there's no doubt. I mean, he may at some point, if he gets enough playing time, I mean, he could he could take a, a left field spot, you know, if someone else has moved to DH. So I think he's going to be, be out there quite a bit anyway. So but yeah. So let I'm glad he's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was also thought to, he was probably going to be
2: the starting center fielder while guys battled back from injuries. Like in this simulation Judge just returned. He's only played 2 games. Yeah. Stanton, however, has played almost the full season, but the simulation has him batting 193.
3: <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, what is this? I, what what this I is this is this is like this is the you know, even when we're in normal season and they have like, oh, the Yankees, the percentage to win the American League East at this point. It's so yeah. stupid. All of it. All of these types of numbers are so freaking dumb. Okay, let's keep going, uh, though, because is, at least this is entertaining. Garrett Cole is a complete shit. What a, what a flop that was. What a waste <laughs> of goddamn waste money. 4-4-1 four, four, he- four, four, ERA in five starts. What we we've
2: already recorded a podcast bashing Garrett Cole. <laughs> in this simulation, there is in the Matrix somewhere. There is a podcast that we did shitting all over Garrett Cole.
3: Baseball reference is watching my uh, my my postseason my general manager plan because Hunter Strickland's <laughs> on our team now. I had him yes. in the trade for Sonny Gray two years ago.
2: They picked up Hunter Strickland off the scrap heap because he was he was DFA'd right before um, everything was oh, shut love down. Love the move, great
3: great move. <laughs>
2: So, but Zach Britton has been an absolute disaster in the bullpen. He's cost the Yankees like three games. He has an 11.37 ERA in eight games. Like Boone, stop using them in key situations. What the hell are you doing? Use your eyeballs, Boone. Good
3: thing we have Hunter Strickland, who's a guy who's proved it in the past. Really, uh, really a Cashman move right there. Looking off the heap, trying to maximize the upside. Complete hedge to the Britton uh, to the Britton play right now. Love it.
2: Do you know who? Do you know who's been the team's best starter? I didn't put it in here because I wanted you to guess. <laughs>
3: Team's best starter has definitely been J. hap Yes, <laughs> yes, and like by a oh, lot, easily. <laughs> I mean, clearly, I think. Look, all he had wanna, to do. Hold on. You know why? It's because look it does up. the uh, does baseball reference simulation have a juiced ball or a non juiced ball? It's a big question.
2: That's true. Maybe there's a juice ball simulation and a non juice ball. Simulation.
3: Again, I I don't even know if I really believe the whole juice ball thing because of that that article I sent you about people complaining that the the laces were too high um, a year and a half ago. But you know. Let's just get on these narrative bandwagons because it makes a lot of sense when we look at the numbers. I think Jay Happ is a big rebound guy. The age is, uh, to me, still not really affecting him, obviously. Clearly, he just had to command that fastball better, and it uh, looks like t- 2020 is the magic number.
2: All right, so Jay, don't call him Jah Happ, Is has a 3.51 ERA in four starts. Pretty damn good. Tanaka actually has also been really good. 3.86 ERA. He's pitching for a contract, so that's, that's probably why. So is why. Jay
3: Hatt, really. Mm-hmm.
2: Adam Adovino has not allowed a lot of run in eight appearances. Of course, it's the regular season. So, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the playoffs, like <laughs> the he erased frisbee, those memories. The
3: Frisbee works really well in April. Poor Jordan
2: Montgomery is not rebounding well from Tommy John surgery. He has a 7.4 ERA. Uh, Tommy Canely's back on the Red Bull. He has an 8.64 ERA. <laughs> Uh, Jonathan Holder, friend of the program, he's looking pretty good, three point eight three ERA. Oh, excuse me, Ben Heller. <laughs> we haven't had we haven't had Holder on the show. Ben Heller has been on the show, why? 2.70 ERA. <laughs> I mean, he- Heller, Chad Green needs to go back to the minors. He has a seven again.
3: RA. Uh-huh. Ben Heller is the guy that's uh, that's another one of these disappointment years uh, that are disappointments from this year because I really wanted to see him pitch. I thought he was going to make an impact this year. And clearly, the simulation has him making an impact. So, Tyler Wade's hitting eight hundred. Goddamn right he is. <laughs> he's eight at bats, but he's hitting. He's hitting. How many bunts are those? <laughs> every All one of them. them was a bunt hit.
2: <laughs> bunt singles. Then he stole second and third, though, so you can really call him triples. He's a threat, man. But yeah, this is where we are. This is where
3: we are. This is exactly where <laughs> we are. This is where
2: we are. <laughs> um, another place where we are is CBS, and every. Not just CBS. Every, I don't know if you've noticed. Every media outlet likes to put out lists and put a Yankee on the list where they should not be just to get a rise out of one of the biggest fan bases in, in sports and the biggest fan base in baseball. Because they put out their top 100 baseball players. And Aaron Judge ranked 47 on the list of top 100. Now, right off the bat, like my gut says that's a little low. Like I think he belongs in like the 25 range. But So fine, that's one thing. But to really drive the point home why this list is, is horse crap is because Sanchez ranked 40 and Gleyber Torres ranked 17. So on, on the team, you're saying there's two position players better than Judge, one of them being Gleyber Torres, which, okay, you can make an argument, I guess. I don't agree with it. But if you're going to say, what is the reason that Aaron Judge is number 47? Is it injuries? Okay, if that's the reason, then you can't put Gary Sanchez at forty seven spots ahead of him.
3: Well, do they consider the the position as well? Because because he's uh, Gary Sanchez is a catcher, you know his value is higher. So this is top. I mean, maybe they do. What's the uh, what's the the algorithm behind this list?
2: Exact. That's that's the beauty of it. They don't explain. I got
3: (laughs) it. So it's just just best people. Just however they just
2: people. It's essentially picking guys out of a hat. And then arranging them how you want.
3: Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good players in here. You look at the the um, the, the the rankings on it. Look, Judge is when fully healthy and, and and out there, like he's he's a top 25 guy, right? Like that's that's where he yes. lives. You could argue probably in there uh, a lot. There's because all the top 25 guys are phenomenal players. Um, but the injuries definitely play into it. I think when you're looking at a, a list like this. So I, I do kind of understand why he would be lower because of the injuries if that's actually what they're doing, but but yeah, I don't know, and and, and depending on how they have Gary Sanchez weighted as a catcher, okay, like there's some things I could I could see here with that, but I'm looking at the list right now too and just trying. So to-
2: Shohei Otani is ranked 30th. so where are so no injuries, injuries there? there. Is, is it because he plays two positions, but he wasn't supposed to really be pitching this year?
3: Yeah. No, I mean, they have Raphael Devers ahead of Aaron Judge.
2: Devers had one phenomenal year last year. Yeah.
3: Yeah, this so, I mean, horseshit. the list... <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking and up I, and down I, this I, list, and it's complete, complete garbage.
2: So what I imagine happening is so whoever puts this list together had Judge at, like, 26 and then an editor somewhere was like, no, 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 we need people to comment on this. So bump Judge down about 20 spots. That has to be what happened. So. And I think that happens for a lot of lists when, when, when you see it. Uh, and it gets people mad. And honestly, if we had real games and not just simulations to talk about, I probably would have glossed over it. But I figured this would fill five minutes, so why
3: not talk about it? Okay, so they also have... Hold on. They have Yasmani Grandel really high on this list. Let me go back to where it was. They have Yosmane Grandal on here at number 15 on the entire list.
2: So you don't agree with that? No, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> the only one that everyone agrees with is Mike Trout, number one.
3: Fine. Yeah, Mike Trout can be at the top of every list, and I'd have no problem with that. But when you have a 31-year-old catcher, you know, yes, he's, he's a good player. There's no doubt. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not. But number 15 player in the league? No.
2: I also don't think it's really fair or I think it's too hard to make a top. You got to go by position. Yeah, I think it's too hard to make a top list and include position players and pitchers.
3: It's like any big list. You got to go like if you're talking about teams, I think you have to go by eras. You talk about players, I think it's eras. If you're talking about like history stuff, you talk about movies, you got to go genres because I can't tell you that one movie is better than another movie. If it's a, How could you possibly put a comedy up against a drama if they're both really good? You can't. They're different. They're just so different. So it's hard to rank that.
2: Yeah, I can at least get down with keeping all the position players together, though, because okay. they're all hitting and then they're playing a, a position. And yeah, if you if you value catcher over right field, I get that it's a more important defensive position. But our judge is one of the best defensive right fielders in baseball. So you're put it's not like he's just an average right fielder. You're taking a complete player who I know has injury issues, but in my opinion, is a more valuable player than Gary Sanchez. Like, Who would you rather have on your team? We're fans of both of them. We've watched both of them for the last four years.
3: Who would you rather have on the Yankees going You're forward? asking me. I would have Aaron Judge every second of the day. But if exactly. you're building a team and you look at the value of a catcher and how you, you can understand how someone would choose Gary Sanchez as well because of that position, and it's just not easy to get the type of attributes that you have out of Gary Sanchez. That's it. I mean, not like it's easy to get the attributes out of Aaron Judge. This is a loaded question. There's no right answer here, except unless you pick Aaron Judge, because that is the right answer. But Gary Sanchez, I understand it. Gary Sanchez, peak Gary Sanchez, is like a unicorn. But we haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, that's
2: the thing. It's like the issue with Judge is oh he just needs to get on the field and stay healthy. The issue with Gary Sanchez is he needs to get on the field and stay healthy and also get his head out of his ass. And then it's like, oh, great
3: player. Yeah, Phenomenal. Phenomenal talent.
2: Um, well, would you rather have Aaron Judge and an a-, a league average catcher or Gary Sanchez and a league average right fielder?
3: Oh, man. That's a, that's a tougher question, though, because I think now if you have a problem at catcher, it's, bi- it's a more of a problem than having a problem in right field. I didn't say problem. I said league yeah, average. I'm saying I would probably go catcher. I would probably take the stud Did catcher you, in that so- scenario.
2: Oh, see, I would pick Aaron Judge because it depends what you're
3: talking about. Catcher, though, Are you talking about offensively? Is he like a good defensive catcher as well? Can he? Can it- He's
2: exactly league average in everything: offense, defense, everything.
3: Yeah. I would probably take the catcher.
2: Hmm. See, I think you can live with a league average catcher and then have a stud right fielder. Where it's like, if you have a league average right fielder, you're like, why aren't we trying to? F- There's too many good right fielders out there. Let's get another one.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's. I think the question gets complicated when you start building a team.
2: Hmm. Um, speaking of building a team, great transition. Stick Michael. That was the topic of the history episode, a brief history that came out on Friday. How Stick Michael built the '90s Yankees dynasty. I had a lot of fun researching this one. You lived through that era more than I did. I was in 1990 when he took the job. I was two, so obviously I, I don't know what happened. So we both lived. And we both lived
3: t- exactly the same <laughs> through the era. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> uh,
2: The uh, in 95 is 95 96. That's really when I started to comprehend baseball. So, Stick was gone by the time Derek Jeter, Andy Pettit, Jorge Posada were all winning championships. Not gone, but he was no longer the general manager. But it's interesting to look back at all the moves, all of the, the chess pieces that he was moving around to get those building blocks in the right place for four
3: or five championships. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I think the fact that they um you look at all the non-deals that that the deals that didn't happen just as important mm, as the deals. For sure. In my, it, yeah, those are really. those are fascinating to me. I actually when I look back on on like 10 years of of teams and how GMs you know, went about their business, I think looking at that once once all of that comes out about the deals that were on the table that did not happen in in every sport, I think is fascinating because then you can see, you know, the what can not what could have been's, the the what may have been or the what, you know, almost war- didn't happen type things. And the thing with um, stick is that, you know, they just, they doubled down on the, on the internal talent and they doubled down on, on patience, which is, you know, one of those big things that you talked about and such a key reason why they, they were able to, you know, put such a deep team together for such a long time. And, and don't get me like, there's a, there's a, a very bad side of patience. If you're wrong, if you're wrong, now you have a really long period of time where you're where you're uh, you're you're not rolling out a good team. So not only does patience have to happen for that to for a team and a team like the Yankees, you know, from '96 on, patience has to be part of that plan. But at the same time, you have to be absolutely balls dead on on a lot of the talent hits too, because for that to be to play out, it's such a long play that you better be right. Cause if you're not, then, no, I mean, and, and, and it's also like everything has to go right. right too. like, not only can you have the talent there, but now also things have to like, you know, the, the, um, ball has to, to bounce in your direction too. Like there's, there's things yeah, like luck that. is always a part yeah. of
2: it. Luck is definitely always timing also for sure. Because we talk about Brian Cashman timing on the 16 trade deadline was so perfect yeah. for him. He was able to flip two relievers for building blocks of a franchise going forward. It has it has uh, when I talked to Chad Jennings, he he discussed how the Glaber Torres for Errolds Chapman trade kind of screwed up the scale of rental players, because we've seen rental players get dealt in the in the years since then, and the haul for them are not the same as that. That was such a unique scenario. The Cubs were so desperate to win a championship, they're going to overpay for Errolds Chapman half a season. Other teams are not in that same scenario. They're not willing to overpay like the Cubs were willing to overpay. So you're not going to get the same. Like the Orioles got a pretty modest prospect package for Manny Machado. The Red Sox got a pretty modest player return for Mookie Betts. That's where the, that was the context of the conversation, the Mookie Betts trade.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's the it's same. The
2: scale. the scale was so out of whack because the scenario was unique.
3: Well, and it also happened to the trade deadline, too. So it was it was a different time. The The Mookie Betts trade, obviously, in the offseason um, is just it's a di- but you could argue that you should get more for a full
2: season of Mookie Betts than a half a season of somebody.
3: Yeah. But again, because of the scenario, because where they were, it, it played into the the um, they could taste it. Were yeah. Like, okay, and, we're and the here scarcity or of it, like, you know, the Cubs haven't won forever in a day. So they had to make sure that they yeah, it was a perfect storm. It was a perfect storm. And Cashman understood that, and he—I'm—I'm I'm so thankful that he saw that it was a perfect storm, and he identified it because when—when when they did make that trade, and you see what the Hall is back, and now the fact that Chapman's even back on the team is pretty wild. But you—you you mentioned timing and like how important that is too, and I've made these comparisons because I really do think there's a lot of, a lot of interesting like the way that the 2017 team was. Uh, compared to that 96 team there are there are just so many similarities in the veteran players and the young guys that were just coming up and you you talk timing like well if they hadn't run into the Astros that year who knows what happens now you know if they hadn't run into this this team that was you know cheating out of their minds and had talent that made the cheating that much more impactful if they hadn't run into that no, what what could be right now do we are we sitting here looking at potentially uh you know to a team that's won two championships because Maybe that's possible. I think if, if that year is spun a little bit differently and they get through the Astros, there's a very good chance that they win that uh, that World Series. And then who knows from there what, what happens in the following year. But the, the blend of players that they have, like just the makeup, when you go back and look at that 96 team and just, you know, listening to the conversations that you were talking about and from some of the uh, – from some of the research, research knowing what Stick Michael and Buck Showalter and, like, all these guys with Tory were having the conversations about these players, a lot, of, a lot of similarities in the, in the structure and in the, in the makeup of, of those two teams.
2: Is there any better example of timing than the almost trade of Mariano Rivera to Detroit for David Wells? Yeah. Where if Mariano Rivera doesn't go on the disabled list, he probably gets dealt. He he definitely gets dealt to Detroit for David Wells in the in June of 1995, but he went on the disabled list with a shore so, a shore nope a sore shoulder. Ding, ding. <laughs> he comes off and his velocity is up four or five miles an hour. And Stick Michael's like, I'm gonna rethink that trade. No thanks. I'll keep the guy throwing 95 miles an hour. Yeah, an hour.
3: and then we'll go get David Wells later. The uh,
2: beautiful timing. Yeah, and the trickle down the the, the trickle down effect of that trade you can play it out. So, okay. Mariano gets da- dealt for David Wells. That means the Yankees probably don't trade for David Cohn at the 95 deadline. So David Cohn's not a Yankee.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot more. You don't have Mariano at the back of your bullpen too. Uh you win maybe one or two championships in the, jo- well, John Wetland four. becomes your closer, probably stays there and, and is no longer the setup guy. And he's a creepo now. And, and that would have been, uh, you know, who knows how that plays out. There's, there are a lot of interesting things that, that, that would have, should have, could have happened if he's dealt just him. You take one piece out of there, very different, very different look.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a trade where it's like, well, at least they were going to get David Wells, who was in the prime of his career at that point, not a backup shortstop because they weren't confident that Derek Jeter was going to be the everyday shortstop in 96. Bob Watson and Brian Cashman had to talk Steinbrenner out of trading Mariano to Seattle. To Seattle for Felix Furman.
3: Felix Furman. Uh, Furman. A, a in, the, uh, yep.
2: in the spring of... 96? In the uh, spring training of 96, because Jeter was not on track. Cashman, or excuse me, um, Steinbrenner just basically didn't think Jeter would be ready for opening day. I... Unfortunately, the unfortunate side effect of doing a lot of these episodes is I've lost some respect for George Steinbrenner.
3: Why? He's a businessman. He's not necessarily a baseball guy at the end. Because
2: he tried to be a baseball guy too <clears throat> they often. They
3: all do. They all do. The, the, the good owners don't. But the good owners are not those guys, like the Jerry Jones of the world. Like Those guys try to stick their nose in things because they think that they're smarter than everybody else, whether it's baseball or anything else. And then a lot of times... They're probably not that wrong either. And a lot of times on the business side of it, they've built such a such a legacy, such confidence. No one's, no one's denying their business I, acumen no, what to I, build a point multi-million is you, dollar franchise. You build, this, you build this confidence internally, and now you're like, well, everything I'm touching is gold. So if I touch this, I'm gonna be right and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a huge difference. And uh so, you know, there's look, he also brought on smart people. Don't the one thing about George Steinbrenner that people and then fired them. And then fired them. But Stick Michael, <laughs> you look at a guy like that, like Stick Michael's the guy who you brought back into the organization knowing he identified the type of player he was, the type of respect that he got. You talked about that uh, as a player, even though he was not a great player, but he did see through that and saw uh, other aspects of that. So I think there are a lot of interesting things when you look at George Steinberg and how he identified people as, as men and how they he, uh, he was, I think, a, probably a pretty good judge of character in a in a... In a way that like res- that gained respect, you know, as a, a leader of men, like I feel like he put up a lot of leader of men in the Yankees over the years. Those guys came back. Yes, there were disagreements that like got them out of there, but then they always came back because they had the respect of the people. So it's 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 interesting yes. how you 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 see that like that aspect of George Steinbrenner.
2: Yes, he did so many great things, but then there was just certain moments where he probably let his ego run the ship. Yeah, but. When- when if he didn't, maybe who knows? Maybe if Stick Michael passes the baton to, it's hard to say. Like, oh, the Yankees would have won more.
3: But <laughs> yeah, that's that's tough.
2: It's impossible to say. But like, Stick Michael, uh, Stick Michael should have been the official GM in 1996. Like, I know Bob Watson was there, but they also
3: they also made the move from Showalter to Joe Torre, and then he tried to backtrack. But I'm on- saying, like, did that move make any sense on paper? <laughs> no. Right. So. Ego was right on that one. I guess there was there were a lot of things where if he didn't
2: and actually if he didn't Bob have Watson, that ego,
3: if he if George Steinbrenner didn't have the ego, there'd be a lot of things that are very very different.
2: Bob, the, a big reason why Joe Torre got the job was Bob Watson, who had a relationship in, with him from their uh, playing
3: days. Okay, so I, I so, think Steinbrenner had. I mean, look at Costanza, loved him, took every every you know so many good things that Costanza well, said that he implemented.
2: I mean, Costanza, I still want to know what his plan to get Bonds and Griffey without giving up too much was because that sounds like the greatest trade of all time and we are robbed of knowing what that trade was.
3: Yeah, I guess they never actually said it, did they?
2: I need I need Larry David to cuz you know he had a trade in his oh, mind. Oh yeah, he
3: definitely had a trade in his mind. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to get that answer somehow. How do we do that?
2: The other interesting thing I I uh, t- uh came across was Bernie was almost traded a number of times, but there was once in 1993 where him for Larry Walker from the Expos was discussed. That would have been a crazy trade. What year was that, 93? Yeah, 1993. Larry Walker was coming off a really, really good uh, 1992. Bernie had really yet to establish himself. Bernie was two years younger at the time, but Larry Walker was a right fielder, and they had just traded for Paul O'Neill. So it would have been weird, like, where do you fit in Larry Walker? He could also play first base, but you had Don Mattingly at that time. Like, no one's arguing Larry Walker's a better overall hitter, career hitter, than Bernie Williams. He put up better numbers. Like, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's a freak hitter. But I don't think you can say that the Yankees are better off in the 90s with Larry Walker over Bernie you Williams.
3: You can't say anything just to or to to change my mind about the Yankees being better off in the nineties, the Yankees were the best you could possibly be in the nineties. That was, it was so great. I know you, but like you, but
2: they had the, they had the right. They still could have upgraded. Like I you, guess you, they had, you, they had no left argue, fielder in those years. That's the
3: thing. Like if somebody slides over to left, you, you can argue some talent, you know, if you're looking at like best teams and things like that, you can, there's, and there's always an argument. Like what, what does fit and chemistry have that talent doesn't have in some capacities mm-hmm. when you talk about a team. And when you talk about those teams like that, that, that they had an engine that was just so perfect to work together. All those guys worked together. Yes, they could have upgraded some positions, but does that upgrade the team in the end of the day? You know, on paper, on no, paper it's yes, impossible to say that it did when you win no, four yeah, of exactly. five titles. It's an interesting trait. It's an interesting look though, because then you, let's say Larry Walker slides into first base because, you know, after um, Mattingly now, now there's no Tino and now you have Larry Walker. No Tino.
2: You don't have Bernie Williams in center field, so you're probably searching high and low for a center fielder for the in the late 90s. What
3: year? What year did uh, uh what year did Deion Sanders play with the Yankees? Ninety-two, late eighties. Oh, was it early nineties too, as well? Luis Polonia. I'll uh, well, he was. Luis Polonia was way late though. Wasn't he? No, I think early. Are you looking this up?
2: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm getting a. Deion
3: Sanders, and then all. least Polonia was early '90s, I think.
2: Deion Sanders was with the Yankees '89 and '90. Okay. Um. Well, it's funny because Roberto Kelly ended up getting traded by the Reds. He was in the O'Neill for... deal. Roberto Kelly was in the O'Neill deal, and then the Reds traded Roberto Kelly for Deion San...
3: Deion Sanders. Roberto Kelly was actually one of my favorite players growing up. I was he very was upset when he the left.
2: Next he was thought to be the next superstar of the team. Yeah. Like that's why it was a controversial trade when, or not a controversial. That's not the right word. Um, it was a gamble. The trade by Sticks Michael's own admission when he traded Roberto Kelly for Paul O'Neill because Roberto Kelly, a lot of people thought was going to be the the '90s superstar of the New York Yankees, but he identified Paul O'Neill as a better fit. Well, for and, the and team.
3: Bernie Williams. He knew that Bernie Williams was there. So they're looking at the they're looking yes. at both. You're looking at who they have to replace a guy like Roberto Kelly in center field. Oh, and by the way, does that upgrade in right field make the team better? And that was a big part of that decision.
2: Yeah, if you don't have Bernie and center O'Neal and right for all those years batting three four in the batting order, you're not going to win all those championships.
3: Yeah, no, it's it's what, what if it's
2: Roberto Kelly and Larry Walker? I don't think you're I think you're better with a uh, Larry Walker's the best player out of the bunch, but Bernie and O'Neill are so much better than Roberto Kelly that you're better off cumulatively with with Bernie and O'Neill.
3: I remember I haven't looked up stats on Roberto Kelly in a very long time, but I remember Roberto Kelly being like a two eighty hitter.
2: Yeah, but and like a like a three hundred on base. Like he did not walk. Oh, he didn't walk. Okay. Yeah. So he he could he had great like physical skills like raw talent, but. Just was not a guy that you want up there battling for at bats. Like O'Neill was a two eighty hitter, but a three seventy nine, three eighty on base percentage guy.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know Roberto so, Kelly is not Paul O'Neill as far as a player, but um, he was definitely one of those guys where Roberto Kelly has a, two, a career two ninety. I know people don't like batting average, but then we did so.
2: But what's his career on base percentage? He's on base three thirty seven, higher than I thought. And he was there for the Yankees, a while, by though, the way.
3: Like you said, he was going to be a. a a player, in the, uh, the superstar in the nineties, but I mean, he came up at eighty-seven. 87 so he was he was one, what, two, twenty-one three, years old, four, five, six years uh, already with the uh, yeah with the Yankees. Yeah, 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 but yeah, he was a yeah two seventy, two eighty, three hundred. It's kind of what I remember. Yeah, he
2: had some injuries too uh, with the Reds. That's why they ended up trading him. But a lot of a lot of interesting moves. Obviously, all the guys that stick uh, that were drafted under Stick signed as amateur free agents under Stick. Um, the free agents that he brought in, like he brought in Jimmy Key, he brought in Wade Boggs. Like those guys were key members of the '96
3: team. Did you remember that Roberto Kelly came back to the Yankees in year in 2000?
2: I mean, I saw it when I was doing the <laughs> 10 research. Ten gates, twenty-seven at bats. I did not know. Like, I didn't remember that. Yeah. Because I also didn't ever really know Roberto Kelly as a Yankee. Right. So, like, people who were older than me were probably like, oh, Roberto Kelly's coming back around. Like, he's going to finally
3: win a title with the Yankees. He was like a Mike Cameron defensive replacement guy right there that was just an older guy, 35 years old, coming in. 14-year yeah. career. a good career. He's, he's still coaching. He coaches down uh, – I think he's the coach for the um, – Monterrey uh, Monterey or a Mexico league Yankee. They have like a logo that looks like the Yankees. He's, he's the manager down there. Hmm.
2: Yeah. But check out the, the history episode on stick, Michael.
3: And I think um, I'm friends with him on Facebook.
2: <laughs> definitely gets the credit for our, the architect behind the nineties. Oh, for sure.
3: No doubt. He's a fascinating guy, man. The way that that whole thing came about and those decisions is, uh, is really interesting. I mean, you, you just, you just mentioned something that was so so crazy like you talk about the um the Roberto Kelly identifying that Bernie Williams was there like that is belief in your talent underneath it knowing that you have something coming up and and leaning on it that's that takes balls you know having with with the ownership to where it was and you know coming back and that's can we also give
2: stick credit for trusting Buck Showalter who had no major league managerial experience to take over the team in 1992 yeah. Like that's a, and, and him and he knew him. He
3: knew him. They had a relationship because he was, they had a relationship. Yankee guy.
2: And then they, they together said, Bernie's the guy over Roberto Kelly.
3: Yeah. I mean, those are two baseball guys who know baseball guys. Those are eye test guys looking around and saying that guy, that guy gets it. That guy has an eye for this. That guy has a a great first step. Like he's going to do well here.
2: Buck, Buck loves stick. Michael, like you hear, like I listened to a few clips of him talking about stick. Michael, um, in the Yankeeography and also after his death, after Stick's he was, he was in, all over media after when,
3: when, when Michael passed away, Buck Showalter was the, one of the go-to guys to talk about him.
2: Yeah. Loved stick Michael. All right. We got a couple mailbag questions first. Just want to give uh, a shout out. Thank you to a few people who submitted written reviews in iTunes uh, over the past couple weeks. weeks. Uh, reminder, if you guys have not done this already, it helps us out so much and it makes Scott feel good, which is the most important thing. He, need, he needs that in his life right now. So thank you to West Warren Truck Stop, Super Drew, Diddy J 19, MP Gudis, Jared.add2, and Rios Mater 89. Thank you all for the very nice reviews that you gave us. Okay. Couple mailbag questions. Paul M says, Do you think there's any possibility that Yankee Stadium could open with a reduced seating capacity? Perhaps they could take out every two or three seats and achieve capacity where everyone is six feet apart. No. Give me a percent chance of, Yan- of Yankee Stadium having, open- having a game played in it in 2020. With people in it? No, in general. Just a game played at Yankee Stadium. Oh.
3: Three percent.
2: Yeah, very low because if when baseball comes back it's like why are they going to go travel up to all these zones that are more risky why are they going to go travel to New York to play a baseball game when they can do it in Tampa I'd, so i don't think we're I don't think Yankee Stadium
3: is having a game until 2021 that's going to be interesting to see like you know hopefully this hopefully this thing dies down and doesn't come back and all that cuz i know people have fears that it's going to come back at some point um, when the weather changes as well and flu season comes back hopefully it doesn't because I'm wondering what next season's even going to look like as far as like what the stadiums are. They just going to go back to full capacity and like, you know, maybe.
2: Well, hopefully we have some sort of um, vaccination uh, vaccination by next spring.
3: Yeah. Can we get the freaking doctors on this? Can we hurry up with that, please? Jesus. Let's go.
2: Not the not the Yankee doctors. Not the Yankee
3: doctors. (laughs) Let's 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 get Uh, the L.A.
2: The L.A. mayor said it's unlikely to have gatherings at sports and concerts until 2021. Yeah,
3: I don't see it happening. So. And even if they did, like that, to me, even even if they did and they tried to do something like that, it's a flawed plan because, yep. you know, how are you gonna? You got to go to the bathroom. You gotta go to the bathroom. You got to go. yeah. get a beer. Yeah. You got to go get some peanuts. You got to you know stand up and not sit in your seat just because <laughs> there's just a million things you got to do. The amount yeah, and not the, not worth it honestly. And the amount of standing room only uh, areas now that are at Yankee Stadium that is definitely just like a. a the, the stadium has a different culture, uh, you know, over the past few years when they implemented these, these standing room only areas. So there's definitely places now where people just gather. So, yeah, it, it would be very difficult to, to enforce any of that. Andrew Campbell
2: says if and when baseball does finally resume and it will almost inevitably be some form of a shortened season, do the Yankees count a championship won in 2020 as number 28? It is generally accepted that this season is going to have an asterisk attached to it, but shortened seasons are counted in the record books all the same. Will the Yankee fan base count an asterisk championship the same as the first 27? Would the Tampa Bay Rays feel the same pride that comes with winning a franchise's first title if they go on to win? Only time will tell, and who knows if we'll even have a 2020 season. But I'm curious how fans will look back on the conclusion of this current situation as it pertains to Major League Baseball and the World Series. So
3: Tampa Bay Rays pride is the only problem I had there.
2: (laughs) When we talked about this topic, like maybe three, four weeks ago, I was under the impression like, Oh, there's going to be like a hundred game season. So any championship one counts just all the same. But at this point, I don't think there's going to even be anything looking like a real season. So I do not think you can consider it. Number 28.
3: Yeah. I don't think, I mean, again, it'll be, we'll, we'll have to see what happens if they actually play. Um, what that looks like, but it just seems very unrealistic that they're going to do anything that has the, the, the feeling of a season that, that is going to be different, especially if they start doing realignments and things like that. It's almost like uh you know, we might count it as the 28th championship, but it's always going to be talked about as a, as a crazy one. And I don't think it'll necessarily be. So I've kind of changed my opinion on some things. Like, I don't think this is one of those things where you're talking about a championship in this particular season as one that is diminished. You're just talking about it in a different way. You know what I mean? It's like, it's mm-hmm. like oh, they won this. Yeah, like, because everyone's count. on level. Everyone's exactly. on level playing So it's ground. not like, yeah, like, okay, you won that. Like, yeah, we were all playing. It all happened. It, 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 so it would still be a championship technically, I think. But again, who, maybe not. It depends on how this thing actually does play out.
2: Well, I mean, we talked about how this hurts the Yankees a lot because this is a prime championship year in their window. Yeah. For sure. We're with, guys, with guys losing a year, guys like, that are ready. Guys like Tanaka, who's still on their current deal, Paxton, LeMayhew. DJ um, LeMayhew might not even be a
3: Yankee.
2: I mean, you have so many guys in their prime ready to go, and we're going to not have a season.
3: I'm going to feel so ripped off if DJ LeMayhew is not on the Yankees the next time I see him play baseball. I, I'm really going to feel like I, something was ripped from my life. I'm going to wear this. I'm wearing the LeMayhew for president shirt right now. I'm going to wear it for a very long time because it's just really going to sleep.
2: You're going to, you're just going to sleep with it. Yeah, it's it's
3: going to be, this is one of those, this is one of those things that I am not okay with.
2: So uh, related to the next question, would you retire DJ LeMay number?
3: Yes. (laughs) Just give him a a forever contract and have that as part of it. Yes, your number will be retired.
2: So Andrew Hammermill emailed us um, because we had talked about, um, Paul O'Neill why Paul O'Neill's number is not retired so he says there's always talk that the Yankees retire too many numbers but frankly I don't really see it the Hall of Famers speak for themselves and what team wouldn't do the same to a player with a major historical achievement like Maris a captain like Mattingly a key contributor to a dynasty Pettit and Posada and so forth who if any should really be left out also, does the argument ultimately come down to the fate of number thirteen?
3: So I think that there's a there's two, two two parts on this one. I don't think people are necessarily talking about the retired numbers being over the top. I think it's all of these things that they're doing: the plaques, the monuments, the retired numbers. Nobody realizes. I think half the people are like, "Oh, there's just so many things happening. Like, are, is that guy retired? Is that guy in Monument Park? Are they not? How? Who's who's what? What's happening?" I don't know. So there's like there's a lot of confusion because they're adding people with lower, um, lower resumes to Monument Park that have like plaques and stuff like that too. So there's confusion about that. I think the players that are retired numbers are pretty much pretty damn close to no doubters. So twenty, and yes, 21 I think reti- it does come down to some, a little bit about Alex Rodriguez. Yes,
2: twenty one retired numbers honoring twenty two players and managers. The no doubters. Are Jeter, Ruth, Garrick, DiMaggio, Mantle, Barra, Dickey, Munson, Ford, Mattingly, Elson Howard, Mariano, and Guidry. They're either captains, Hall of Famers, uh, some, some sort of like, yeah, no question, no one's ever wearing that number again, retired. Then I think you start to get some questions with guys like, not a lifetime Yankee, but they did unbelievable things in a Yankee uniform. Roger Maris, Reggie Jackson. Like, Reggie Jackson and Roger Maris didn't even end their careers in a Yankee uniform. You can make an argument like, did say, say Reggie Jackson played the rest of his career with the Yankees. I think you can have a little bit more argument, but he kind of just swooped in, won a couple titles, had an unbelievable Mr. October, he earns that nickname, hits the three home runs against the Dodgers. Everyone loves Reggie Jackson, but then he bolts. So, like, you can make an argument. Like, does number 44 really need to be retired for the Yankees? Or can we just all have a party every time Reggie Jackson comes back to town? Which happens anyway. Well,
3: he's he's a part of the organization, too. I mean, he he did come back in a point where he's a part of the organization and he's been – you know, with Steinbrenner a lot. He was with Steinbrenner a lot as a, a back end guy too.
2: He's a beloved member of the organization, yes. but I don't know if he did enough on the field to deserve his number retired. Well, apparently then you, yeah, then you have guys who are lifetime Yankees, but you can like, are either not in the hall of fame or you can, you can make an argument like, okay, if we're only going to retire the numbers of the best of the best, Does Phil Rizzuto, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, and Bernie Williams deserve to have their number retired? We all love all of them for one reason or another. They won championships. They were lifetime Yankees, or not in Pettit's case, but they won championships. But they're not Hall of Famers. Rizzuto's a Hall of Famer. And he he was... I mean, Rizzuto might have been more loved as a broadcaster than he was as a
3: player. He was just an overall beloved person. Like, the guy was just a, a gem. So... That's that's part of it because you do look at his numbers. I mean, you, you you can make an argument that if you're looking at Hall of Fame numbers, like Phil Rizzuto's numbers not not really there either. Underwhelming. Yeah. Underwhelming. Uh, and his MVP year was pretty underwhelming itself as well. The but no one's going to say a bad thing about Phil Rizzuto because the scooter was And I'm the not greatest. saying a bad thing. Yeah, either. he's like he's the greatest. He's just he's he's that guy. Um so I understand that. And Holy I think that cow. Yankees have that aspect of some of these players, like there is a mystique behind some of these players, and and that goes into how they're acknowledged and remembered, and uh, and ultimately, you know, blessed in, the, in in Monument Park. So I found it
2: interesting on some of these bubble guys that I've mentioned. What year their number was retired? Meaning, when was the ceremony for it? And I found a common thread among a lot of these years. So, Bernie Williams had his number retired in 2015. Andy Pettit, 2015. Mar- uh, not Mariano. Uh, Reggie Jackson, 1993. We have Jorge Posada, 2015. We have, where is Roger Maris? 1984. What do these years have in common? Yeah,
3: some, a lot of, you know, some of them are down years. Some of them are uh, butts in the sea tiers.
2: Yeah. How do we get people to show up on a Sunday afternoon in September when the team might not be going to the playoffs? I
3: mean, that's a pretty – I know.
2: Let's have a ceremony.
3: I mean, that's a pretty large thing to do just to get people in the seat for one day.
2: It's not just for one day, though. It's merchandise. It's buzz. You can run programming for it. I mean, I don't know what I was, was happening say, back in the 80s and early 90s. But 2015, I mean, they retired Pettit, Bernie – and Posada all in the same season. I know the Yankees went to the playoffs that year, but that was not supposed to be a playoff.
3: I think the reason why all of that happened was because they didn't know how to decipher between all of those guys as core members. You can't retire one without the other. And I think that was part of the, you know, part of the, um, why why this this got a little foggy, because you're looking at some of these guys that were like significant players of that team, but were overall looking at their numbers are not guys that you would think of getting a, a number retired. That's why I think that the Yankees do take in all of this, this mystique or the, you know, the, the, the uh, fanfare that they had all take that into consideration when they're talking about some of these guys. So, and And I I kind of like, honestly, I kind of like that. I like the fact that they consider that part of it because to me, that's like the eye test. That's an eye test thing. Like you gotta, you understand who that guy was to the fans. And that at the end of the day, who is this for? It's for the player, the organization and the fans. Right, So you're, you're acknowledging the greatness of a player and what they were to you and to the team and to the fans. So I'm good with because that. Because the, the reality
2: is, say they didn't retire Pettit, Posada, and Bernie. We're sitting here today and nobody has worn their number since they retired. Right. It's a Paul O'Neill situation. Sure. So that comes back to the question. Okay, so it's an unofficially retired. Somebody, somebody's going to make it so official. I
3: who it was on Twitter it called out the uh, that um, Frazier, Todd Frazier, had asked for O'Neill's number. Remember that? I f- yes, for- and we didn't I for- mention yeah, that. We forgot yes. about that. and O'Neill was like, "Not, nah, yeah, you're good. <laughs> Probably not going to be here right? Like you're.
2: Like I'll go. I'll- Listen, I know you took that picture with Derek Jeter, but no. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I think it's hilarious that O'Neill said no to it. Um, no, but you know, th- but we said like if
2: Garrett Cole comes in here and wanted number twenty one, he's getting it.
3: Number twenty one. I see. I don't know if if Garrett Cole would ask for that number. That's the difference.
2: What if okay? Garrett Cole's number forty five, and he has been his whole life. But what if he was number twenty
3: one his whole life? I'd say he might change it. Why? Because I think that there's also a respect factor, understanding who the player was.
0: Because he's a Yankee fan no, today, tomorrow, forever. No, no,
3: no, no. As a as a ball player, just coming in like. At the end of the day, is it really that important where you're taking someone else's number that's a little bit controversial? Like, why would you want to ruffle those feathers? How about I just, you know, start my Yankee career with this new number and we just move forward? I don't think, I think that there's something also about asking for that number that you're like, should I be asking for that number? Really? So he'd
2: go like number 12 or something, he'd just reverse it.
3: I don't know what he would do, but he, you know, who knows what he would well, do. Well, because
2: that's what, well, like, David Wells wanted number three because of the babe. Right. And he was like, OK, I'll take 33. Yeah,
3: fine. Like, do whatever you want. Like, that's, that's fine. That's what uh, F- Clint Frazier apparently wanted number seven, right? They wanted, Clint Frazier wanted, according to Susan Waldman, wanted the Yankees to unretire yeah. Mickey Mantle's no, no, number no, no. so that he could yeah, wear Clint it. Which yeah, Clint Which was not true. He ended up going 77 now just to be a pain in the ass because of that rumor that was put out there.
2: Well, he did it because Judge was number. He also did it because
3: of the seven. Do you remember? He's trolling Susan Waldman with that number.
2: Maybe, but do you remember um, the the kid they traded for Sonny Gray, uh, the center fielder who hurt his knee in Chicago? Why can't oh, I think oh, of his yeah, name?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> what the hell is his name? Yeah, really good kid. Uh, you know, white kid that was. Uh, Platoon outfielder Didn't he, wasn't he number eighty eight? I don't think so. Oh, I thought he was number eighty eight. I, I mean, he wasn't even in the majors enough to have a. He played a, one game. A, a number that was significant that was even hit. But I thought he got. I thought he I wore number, number eighty eight. Um, no, I don't know if he did or not. Maybe it doesn't.
2: Okay, you're gonna look that up, and I'm gonna keep talking about retired numbers. So I saw an article actually written by Brian Hoke fairly recently, so uh, like two weeks ago. He was he was trying to guess who the next retired Yankee number would be. And did you find it yet?
3: Yeah, it's Dustin Fowler.
2: Dustin Fowler didn't he wear number eighty eight? What was his number with the Yankees? It. It'll be on Baseball Reference. All right, um So, Hoke wrote the article, and he um, he came up with this list of guys who might be the next Yankee to have their number retired. Number nine, Greg Nettles. He was the captain from eighty two to eighty four. And the number is already re- retired from Roger Maris. So, this is an easy thing. Like, oh, you were our captain, and the number's already gone. I'm gonna do like a Yogi Berra Bill Dickey sort of thing. And we'll retire this number for Greg Nettles, too. Brett Gardner, number 11. He's currently the longest-tendered Yankee. Uh, no, it's <laughs> just no. We can't retire Brett Gardner's number. I'm sorry.
3: Retire his number, or he's,
2: if they win a championship. This is no Brian Hoke is theorizing who this is the list he came up with. Okay, so I
3: think Brett if they if they were to win a championship, then Brett Gardner has an opportunity for that to happen. Oh God, you've got to be kidding me! It it, it has to be there needs to be a championship. So then you
2: are then you are saying he is in the same breath as like Pettit, Posada, and Bernie, who won four championships, some some of them five, and were much better players than Brett Gardner.
3: I I think it could be one of those scenarios where. You're not going to ask for the number or he gets something out in Monument Park. like got uh, like that's the thing. Like, where's the they're, they're, they're putting people out there that
2: Brett Gardner would have to win World Series MVP and ha- hit a walk off Grand Slam in game seven to have his Dustin number. Retired. Fowler
3: wore number 34. So I don't know what you're talking about here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I made that up then. Uh, the next one he says is Alex Rodriguez. Number 13. Uh, do you think A Rod ever gets his number? Attacked?
3: No,
2: no. What if What if he gets into the Hall of Fame? What if in ten years, voters get the stick out of their ass and they vote in Clemens, Bonds, A Rod, McGuire, Sosa, all the steroid guys?
3: Then it's going to be under a, a certain pretense, and it's still going to have the stigma attached to it. And I still don't think they do it.
2: So he says, Paul O'Neill, 21, unofficially retired now. Willie Randolph,
3: number three. Willie Randolph gets co- screwed by the Yankees, just the history. When, when people look back, I feel like Willie Randolph gets screwed. He got screwed as a manager in baseball as well. For whatever reason, he seems like the nicest guy in the entire world. And it looks like you know most people run through walls for Willie Randolph. He's that guy. And
2: Yeah, but his team can't finish like a 10-game division lead in September. I mean, come on. Give the guy That shit sticks with you. He
3: needs another opportunity. If, I swear to God, if one of these. He's not going to get an opportunity at this if point. If one of these. Why not? If one of these clowns that was suspended from last year. Been, he's
2: been away from managing for too long, I think.
3: If one of these clowns from last year gets a job before Willie Randolph does, it's really going to piss me off.
2: Oh, I mean, Cora and Hinchell. Def, Cora definitely is going to get a job. Like, I think Cora's going to have a job by 2022.
3: Yeah, Cora probably already has a job that's lined up, honestly. It's probably the Red Sox. No. Cora? I don't mm-hmm. think he's going back to the Red Sox. That would be... I've heard I've heard rumors. You've heard rumors. That would look really stupid for them. Would it? Yeah, they would look really dumb.
2: What if the report comes out and it's like, well, Cora didn't really do anything in Boston?
3: Well, then that means they didn't know what was going on in their own house, which is even worse.
2: Um, uh, Willie was also co-captain with Gidry, which I think people forget yeah, about. He
3: totally gets screwed by
2: the history books. Mike Messina, number 35. Uh, seriously?
3: He's not getting retired, but again, like they may honor him in some way. Well, he's talking about retired numbers. Yeah. Mike Messina didn't win a Here's championship the with the great. If you don't win there's a championship, you can't have there's your number retired. There's with a gray area with, all, with all, the amount of things that they've done in Monument Park. Most people can't even identify what has been done because there's things. Yes, they're s- saturated. That's my argument. Yeah, But it's not just retired numbers. It's all of the above plaques and monuments and like,
2: okay, so his number, he has a plaque, but his number is not retired. Right. Like my mind immediately goes
3: to plaque is more important than number retire. Plaque? But it's not. Well, no, because monument is the most important. Then all the monuments. So it goes monument, number, retire. Well, no, because all the monuments are plaque. retired numbers. Is everybody who has a retired number uh, have a monument? I bet they do.
2: No, 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 no. Monuments are reserved. The monuments are like Gehrig, Ruth, Mantle. DiMaggio. I think those are the four monuments. I think there's only four monuments. Did Jeter get one? No, no. He got a plaque and a retired number. I don't know if he got a monument.
3: Jeter got the highest.
2: Look it up. Looking it up. (laughs) Look it up faster. Uh, He says CC Sabathia, number 52. Borderline. I think Sabathia is. Would have had an argument, a better argument, had the Yankees won a championship in one of these last three years and Sabathia was on that team. Then you could say, okay, he's likely going to the Hall of Fame. He won two championships with the Yankees, was a central figure in one of them, and finished his time with the Yankees. Then I think you would have had an argument for Sabathia, but I don't think you do now.
3: Okay. Um, you're right. Six people have an actual monument. Okay, can I guess? Okay, let me right. guess. So yeah, go
2: ahead. Uh, Ruth, DiMaggio, Mantle, Gehrig. Those are the four locks, right? Yes. Thurman Munson? No. I, don't, I don't
3: think uh, you're going to get this one. Yogi? No. Whitey Ford? No. Miller-Huggins okay. and then George Steinbrenner. Oh, I do remember the Steinbrenner one. Yeah, and uh, so so And, Jeter and Miller, Miller Huggins was the first. Does that mean Jeter's? I mean, Jeter belongs in this list. He's going to eventually. You would think,
2: but it, it sounds like they're not doing monuments anymore. Like the monuments are done because if Jeter's not getting a
3: monument, then no one's getting a but monument. But does it have to be later? Like much later? Like he has to die? The monuments mounted posthumously on five large. Yeah, they all.
2: After they're dead? Yep. Well, that's stupid. Honor them while they're alive. <laughs>
3: That's what they're doing with the plaques, apparently.
2: Okay, so Jeter and Mariana will get monuments once they die.
3: <laughs> yeah. We won't see it. Pro- hopefully.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, what? Maybe. Jeter's got He's 10 only, years, years might, on
3: me. Might. Maybe you see it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: take my eyes before you take <laughs> uh,
2: Um, And then the last one he says is Aaron Judge, number 99, who you could say is on track to get
3: his number retired yeah. with the Yankees. I mean, I, he's the only one to get a freaking section. You got to win championships. That's what if they win championships. There's a whole lot of players on this team that are on track. Uh,
2: I think if they win champ, multiple championships, it's Glaber. It's it's Glaber and judge. And Gary it.
3: Sanchez is beyond that list too. And now Brett Gardner Gardner's getting a plaque. Fuck. <laughs> I'm sorry, like Brett Gar- I'm just like, telling you. I'm telling you what's going to happen, Garrett. If they win a champion, Garrett Cole is pulling a Reggie Jackson and getting something out there too. j Hat might weasel his way into there. j Hat, <laughs> might weasel his way into Monument Park, and, uh, and I'm not just saying the fly ball that that, that went into Monument <laughs> the Park. The fly ball that often. lands in Monument Park, no. his bald ass head might be in Monument Park. Uh, Larry,
2: yeah. Larry that, bald I mean, head, that bald ass head,
3: that bald ass head is going to be out in Monument Park.
2: Yeah, but like Sabathia, though, I think if he had a second title, 17. Oh, Sabathia's definitely. Yeah, he's get, Sabathia's out there, too. If, if he had another no, title. No, but what he'll about be out there soon. Retired number or just plaque.
3: plaque? He's getting a plaque.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. He's He was a beloved figure in the Yankees. So
3: when they start doing the 09 guys, like that'll be interesting when they start doing the 09 guys to see if Arod does gets anything S- out there.
2: So, oh nine, they'll probably do in two thousand twenty nine for the twenty years. So, if you
3: if you go, and you're because they just missed nineteen, and you start anointing all some two thousand nine guys, and now you're not having Alex Rodriguez in this mix, there's going to be some problems.
2: He was the best player on the team in the postseason that year. You, so this is what I'm
3: wondering. Him. I'm wondering if now all of the oh nine guys are going to get screwed because because Aaron, yeah.
2: I mean, but like. Do you give Jerry Harrison Jr. No. a plaque? No, you don't give Jerry Harrison. Jr. What about Eric Kinski? I mean, no. You know. What about what about Damaso Marte? Damaso Marte was a great player. No. What about Swisher?
3: Potentially. Beloved. That there's that Ed <laughs> factor off the field right there. I feel like you have to have, have think- a voice box behind that one though. Like it can't okay. be just like standing there. I can't look at a a plaque that has Swisher on it without it like moving. It's going to be like, the, Billy, the what was that? The, the go or the, uh, the Billy Bass, <laughs> you know, the Billy Bass that sings <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I feel like Swishers has got to be like that. It's got to talk and get you hyped up. Do
2: you know who kind of got screwed from a love standpoint is Hideki Matsui because he left right after 2009.
3: He left after 2009, but he's definitely getting one too.
2: He's not getting a plaque.
3: I'm he's going to be one of those guys. That's that's honored of the 09s. nines. Oh, what do you mean? Honored. I don't, know what that, I don't know what that means yet. Maybe it's a plaque. Could be something. Maybe they go to another tier down. Maybe does they start Jeter putting show a wall of the, fame out there.
2: <laughs> no. Does Jeter show up for the 2009 celebration?
3: I hope so. I hope at some point. I think as he's getting older, and yes, because now he's got kids, so I think that's going to play into him coming back to Yankee Stadium because now there's going to be a lot of this, well, I want to show my kids what I meant to a real baseball team because the current one that all they know about are the Marlins. And I'm not going to have my kids thinking anything attached to that. So I got to go back
2: here. Kids watch this 1996, World but they're not going
3: to do that. Right. But they'll go to the stadium with them and they'll be like, Oh my God, like my dad was, was a big deal because they're not going to understand that with him as the Florida Marlins owner,
2: AJ Burnett
3: potentially. Cause you know, him and CC are tied.
2: <clears throat> T- then so is Mark Teixeira. Uh,
3: well. I mean, this is the gray. This is the problem. We're getting, we're in gray. We're going. We're Johnny Damon. No. Oh. Why, why is that where you draw the line? I didn't like Johnny Damon as a Yankee. Sorry. I kind of did like Johnny Damon as okay. a Yankee. You're from Rhode Island. I, it makes sense. What's that? I don't mean? know. I feel like. Uh, I feel like it makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, know, the last I know one's JJ, not really. I know JJ
3: would definitely agree with me on this one.
2: Yeah, the last one is not a question, but just about the rewatchable podcast that we did. It's from Mark Gutis. As one of the older guys, I, I was very relieved to hear that you didn't completely exclude the 1978 playoff AL playoff game from your list of most rewatchable Yankees games. That 78 season was insane. The whole first half of that season was Reggie versus Billy. The Yankees actually started digging out of the 14 game. Deficit uh, before Billy was fired and resigned. The Boston Massacre in Fenway brought them even. That playoff game was intense. Guidry, Pinella, Thurman, Goose, and of course, Bucky. It's my most memorable season, even having lived through the 1961 season. Other rewatchable games for me are the Larson Perfect game in the 56 World Series, Maris's 61st home run game. In 1961. Mickey's walk-off in game three of the sixty-four world series, which they ended up losing that series. Mickey's five hundredth home run game in sixty-seven. And Chamlis's walk-off against KC in 76. Yeah, I'm that old.
3: I mean, the Lar <laughs> I I, uh, I love see, I love the perspective though, seeing some of these games though, too, because you I I can't believe we didn't put Larson's perfect game. Like I mean, I know we didn't go that far back, and that's why it didn't, but that's one of those games. Yeah. That we didn't go. I would absolutely. I mean, there's
2: so many, that's a, that's a top five game. That's a top three game in Yankees history.
3: Yeah. You're talking like top 10 in baseball history, a perfect game in the world series. I mean, that's a p- ridiculous deal. So yeah, that's definitely up there. I mean, if we started going back and like, look, I would there, I just put too it an hard entire to do list that. Of, of games that I would love to watch that just are not, you know, a lot of them are probably not possible. It's also
2: difficult to talk about you and I, it's difficult for you and I to talk about because we know nothing really of the emotions and the things surrounding sure, those games. Sure. Like we could talk about the nineties and the two thousands because we know what was going on. Right. Then. We lived through it. Yeah. And we talked about the 78 season because uh, the 78 games, because I talked about it. Cause my dad has talked about it to me a thousand yeah, yeah, times, yeah. but like, otherwise I wouldn't, that wouldn't have come to mind right away.
3: Yeah, no, again, this is one of those era things. It goes back to those lists, you know? It depends on what you, what you know, what you live through, and, and where you're, uh, you know, how you rank those, because emotion does play into it.
2: I mean, shit, someone might put on, like, a game from DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak.
3: I mean, one, one game from his hitting streak? Why not? The one when he broke the previous record. Okay. They might. I they see. might. They might. It's possible. They might do that. It might 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 have put on a game at the end of sixty one. He ta- he mentioned sixty one being like one of those one of those series. Like, how about we put that on there?
2: I'd like to rewatch, even though it wasn't on TV, the game that Babe Ruth supposedly called his shot. Like, I want to know, did he call a
3: shot? Yeah, I want to see that analyzed. Can we get more angles of that, please? That's
2: like the that's like JFK assassination. Like, I want to go back and like see the footage. I want to see the tape for real. There is footage. There, there, there actually is actually footage of that. Yeah, but it's doctored. <laughs>
3: Um, Don't start this. The the Babe Ruth one. There's, I mean, I feel like there's some things.
2: There's a picture. I feel like it's more reliable than there's a film. I bet there's footage. All right. Anything else you wanna discuss? We did an hour and a half. I don't
3: even know what we talked about. (laughs) I blacked out.
2: I got to right. go finish. That's I got to go
3: finish assembling a, uh, a swing set in the backyard now, too. I must say, can't
2: build a fence around that, too. There's
3: already a fence around it. I'm putting it up against the fence. I actually moved hedges that are now above the fence closer to the fence. So it's completely giving me a, a green wall. Oh, yeah. We're, 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 we're trying to we're trying to separate. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you? We're trying to separate, baby. <laughs> what
2: are you the- Wait, <laughs> Social distancing at its finest. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Keep the mailbag questions coming and all that kind of good stuff. Stay tuned for the history shows every Friday. I do not know what the topic is going to be next week. I will figure that out over the next few days. Hope everyone's staying healthy out there. Talk to you guys next week.